mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today for all the talk of female empowerment, far too few are prepared to take control of their long-term financial security. Just ask the millions of women who are divorced or widowed and are far more likely to be living in poverty or bankruptcy. Also this morning, the Findlay-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce has extended the nomination period for this year's Small Business Awards to recognize the community's outstanding entrepreneurs. We have details. And after nearly two years of being mostly confined to our homes with no dress code, many are finding the transition out of our comfy clothes to be a challenge. So we have a style refresh for the late summer and transition into fall. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition. For Tuesday, July 12th, 2022. So if you need a reason to celebrate, um, it is Different Colored Eyes Day. You know anybody with different colored eyes? I don't know that I can think of anyone that I have ever known personally with uh, different colored eyes. I mean, I know it's a I know it's a thing. I know it's something that uh, a certain segment of the population has, but I don't know anybody with different colored eyes. Um, National Eat Your Jello Day today. National Pecan Pie Day. It is Simplicity Day. Etch-a-Sketch Day. The Etch-a-Sketch first one on sale on this day in 1960. So, happy Etch-a-Sketch Day. Put Ohio Art on the map. Uh, it is New Conversations Day. And speaking of New Conversations Day, uh, this is uh, this is kind of interesting. A, uh, a new study from the University of Pittsburgh has shown that if you have lost contact over the years with an old friend, uh, it turns out that they would very much like it if you would reach out and reconnect. Um, the study has shown that people receiving random communication appreciated being reached out to and that the people reaching out underestimate how appreciative the receiver of said message was. So if you have lost contact with a, a, with a friend over the years, go ahead and send them a note. Send them a note. Um, if you've been wondering whether you should, do. Um, after initiating, it says, while initiating contact after a long time may feel daunting, the findings of this study, University of Pittsburgh, find that others will appreciate hearing from you. So, new conversations day today. And it is paper bag day. One other uh, observance here uh, on the list of reasons to celebrate it says it is Cow Appreciation Day. However, I saw this on the uh, newswire, and I thought this is uh, kind of interesting. Chick-fil-A is once again postponing their observance of Cow Appreciation Day. Since 2005, it has been happening each year on the second Tuesday in July, but then the pandemic hit, and they had to cancel this. And cancel the celebration. And uh, let's see here. It says Cow Appreciation Day sees America's favorite fast food chain offer free entrees to customers of all ages who dress up as cows. But then the pandemic hit. Restaurants were closed. And uh, or at least dining rooms were closed. 
And so the whole cow appreciation day observance at Chick-fil-A was put on hold. And now a message on the Chick-fil-A website says that they are once again uh, axing cow appreciation day this year. Message says it was a difficult decision to call off the event, but they look forward to giving guests delightful cow interactions in future years. So I'm a bit surprised that they are uh, postponing. I mean, we pretty much done with the pandemic restrictions and all of that. I don't, it, it can't be pandemic related, can it? Uh, is there a, uh, is there an employee shortage? Is there you know, something going on there? Is it supply chain issues with, with cow costumes? I'm not sure, but uh, cow appreciation day not happening at Chick-fil-A this year. So. Make note of that. What is happening is Prime Day. Already the uh, deals are live. Uh, what did, like 3 a.m., I think everything started on Prime Day today. Amazon's Prime Day event uh, may cause tension in some relationships if someone breaks down and buys something without telling their partner. Uh, but take heart because it could be worse. And you talk about an impulse buy. Here is uh, a story that uh, will maybe make you feel a little bit better if your significant other, you know, succumbs to Prime Day and and buys something that, you know, without asking you or without telling you first. Um, Nicole Rudder decided to purchase a dilapidated castle. (laughs) Uh, The uh, Garion tower near Wishaw. This is in uh, Great Britain, is it? I believe. Uh, the Garion Tower was selling for over a quarter of a million dollars. And uh, somebody sent Ms. Rudder a link to the listing as a joke, but when she saw it, she fell in love. And she just couldn't resist. <laughs> she said, I had to go home and tell my husband I bought a castle. He wasn't too pleased at first, she said. (laughs) But I want my daughters to grow up knowing that girls can do anything they want and everything is possible with hard work. The castle is dilapidated, but she has dedicated herself to restoring it. Former glory. So, (laughs) anyway, I just thought that was kind of an interesting story and uh, something that I will try and keep in mind uh, because I know that my wife is probably going to buy something on uh, Prime Day. And I'm going to say to myself, why in the world do we need that? Why do we buy that? But then I'll just remember, at least she didn't buy a dilapidated castle. So (laughs) that may make you feel uh, better and maybe less stressed out. Speaking of uh, stress, did you see this kind of interesting? Uh, Wallet Hub has ranked the most populated U.S. cities by how stressed they are. Uh, they looked at more than three dozen metrics. I always Wallet Hub has has some really interesting uh, analyses of uh, various data. They looked at uh, three dozen metrics in four main categories: work stress, financial stress, family stress, and health and safety stress. And they have ranked the cities in the U.S. according to the most or the most stressed city in the U.S according to Wallet Hub, and this is 182 of the most populated U.S. cities, the most stressed city in America, Cleveland. Uh, they came in first in the financial stress category. 
So, uh, but right up there in all of those metrics and Cleveland, overall, the most stressed city in America, Detroit was number two and uh, they came in first in the health and safety stress category. Uh, Gulfport, Mississippi, uh, Baltimore and Philadelphia round out the top five most stressed cities in the country. And then the rest of the top 10, Memphis, New Orleans, Birmingham, St. Louis, and Toledo. Wow. Ohio with two cities in the top 10. And this is not a list that you want to be at the top on. The most stressed in the in the country. Cleveland at number one. Toledo at number 10. Hmm. By contrast, Fremont, California, ranked as the least stressed city in the country, coming in last in both the financial stress and health and safety stress categories. Just above it, South Burlington, Vermont, which was last in the family stress categories. No family stress in uh, South Burlington, Vermont. Um, So those are the least stressed cities to live in. But then who would want to live... I know I shouldn't say that. Who wouldn't want to live in Fremont, California, or south of Burlington, Vermont? I'm sure they're lovely cities. Uh, Lovely cities. But, uh, wow, Cleveland, uh, most stressed city, and Toledo, number 10. Hmm. A couple of other uh, interesting items here among the first things you need to know this morning. This is kind of uh, another example of what we were talking about yesterday. Uh, suddenly with the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade and now um, states getting to decide on the issue of abortion and so on and so forth, you know that this is going to take a bit of time to sort itself out because these are issues that the, the courts at the state level have not, courts and lawmakers at the state level have not had to deal with or not had to I mean, they've talked about it for decades, but they've not actually had to legislate and and make rulings on state laws in this area. And so it's going to take a little while to uh, to figure all of this out. Yesterday, we had the uh, story of the woman. What was it in Atlanta? Was it that she was uh, pulled over and, and arrested for for driving by herself in the carpool lane? And, and but she tried to get out of it by saying she was pregnant and her fetus counted as a human being in the law. And so she couldn't, couldn't be cited for uh, driving alone in the uh, carpool lane that she was actually there were two people in the car. Uh, that did not work. How about this? An Arizona judge, a uh, federal court judge, has temporarily blocked a state law granting personhood to unborn fetuses. Uh, in the ruling on Monday, U.S. District Court Judge Douglas Reyes wrote that the law is vague and therefore deprives plaintiffs plaintiffs of their due process rights. The uh, law and the, the the law was passed in the legislature in 2021 grants the unborn all rights, privileges and immunities available to other persons beginning at conception. And uh, this law was immediately challenged in court in finding the law unconstitutionally vague. The judge called its consequences potentially sweeping and severe, noting that labeling a fetus, uh, labeling a fetus, a person might constitute uh, a homicide if they were uh, aborted, which was probably the point of those who uh, voted for it at the time. But uh, now 
There are all kinds of implications here. And this is another example of... i got to figure all of these things out. It is a whole new uh, thing. You're going to hear more and more of these stories... I think of these laws being challenged in court and what do these laws really mean and what are the implications and what are the unintended consequences and how do we write these laws so that they can survive appeals and so on so that they're not constitutionally vague, all of these things. It's going to be really interesting from a legal standpoint to work all of this uh, out over the next, uh, well, this will probably be, be years. Kind of interesting, nonetheless. And uh, one other note among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. This will be one to watch as we come up on the All-Star Game next week. Major League Baseball's summer classic, the All-Star Game, will be uh, played in Los Angeles next week. And workers at Dodger Stadium are threatening to walk out on strike ahead of the big showcase. Some 99% of the nearly 1,500 concession workers at Dodger Stadium have voted to authorize a potential strike. Uh, The union is asking for a new contract and saying that they could walk off the job at any time. I tell you what, say what you will about the the union and putting the squeeze on uh, management and and all of that, whether you're pro-union or or anti-union, or, or what have you, you gotta you gotta hand it to them. They know how to time <laughs> their actions. I mean, they know this is this is exactly the time if you want to make a big demand of your employer, threaten to walk out just ahead of the All Star Game. Uh, the L.A. Times says uh, food servers, bartenders, sweet attendants, cooks, and dishwashers are all uh, part of this uh, union, all of whom could walk out on strike, and that would be a mess for the All-Star game if that were to happen. So, gotta hand it to them. They know, they know how to get, they know how to get attention of the, of the <laughs> stadium managers and all of that. We'll see if that gets resolved. I'm sure it will ahead of the uh, All-Star break, but interesting timing there. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. This is ONN. I'm Kate Burdett on the Ohio News Network. New COVID cases are averaging under 20,000 each week, though it's difficult to track how many people are actually sick given how many are taking rapid tests at home. Yolanda Harris with ONN affiliate WBNS-TV has more. Here in Ohio, we're seeing people get sick with the virus a second time. A new study out of the University of Washington says each new infection poses a new risk for serious consequences. The risk of death doubled when patients were infected more than once. I'm Yolanda Harris. The Ohio Supreme Court says a judge can continue to preside over the trial of a Columbus police officer. Andrew Kinsey with ONN's Columbus affiliate WBNS-TV has the story. Holly Canote is charged with falsifying a use of force report during the protest of 2020. Her attorney asked for the judge to be removed, accusing the judge of having a bias in the case. That that trial will resume Wednesday. 
I'm Andrew Kinsey. And there could soon be another option for family planning in the United States. Angela Ann with ONN affiliate WBNS-TV has more. The FDA is reviewing an application for the first ever over-the-counter birth control in the United States. HRA Pharma announced its application to make Opil available without a prescription. The company said in a news release the switch from prescription would help even more women access contraception without unnecessary barriers. I'm Angela Ann. I'm Kate Burdett on the Ohio News Network. So did you know 15% of the women in America are divorced or separated? Almost 7% are widowed. And the reality, even though this doesn't maybe fit into the modern empowered woman image that we like to project in the 21st century, many women still confront financial difficulties, even bankruptcy and poverty tied to the loss of their husband, either through death or divorce. Dr. Sabrina Ellis aims to help fix that. She is a pastor, a personal growth coach, recipient of President Barack Obama's Lifetime Achievement Award, and author of Wife Life, Securing Your Future. And Dr. Ellis, this would not have been a surprise, say, back in the 1970s when women couldn't get a credit card or a car loan or even open a bank account in most cases without their husband's signature. But that's not the case anymore. Why are the fortunes of so many women still so tied to their spouse? Well, I agree that it is unfortunate in the 21st century, but it is a reality. I believe that it is related to the fact that nobody... uh, is really, I shouldn't say nobody, but so many are not planning or preparing for this particular situation for mm-hmm. the future. Uh, it's inevitable. Somebody's going to die. And the reality is that women outlive men. Yeah. Then that- and um, it's the truth. And yeah. I think what it is, is so many of us don't like to talk about death. Um, I, none of us do. But we don't plan for it. Many of us uh, don't get insurance policies. Right. Uh, So, you know, we just don't talk about it. So basically, uh, the issue now is that the the tools are there. We're just not uh, using them. And you also point out this is so important that. Uh, This is something that every woman really has to think about, no matter how solid their marriage is or how healthy their husband is, because as you were pointing out, you know, somebody's got to go first. And in most cases, uh, statistically, it's going to be the man. Absolutely. And we and we don't plan on things that happen. Our lives change um, from one day to the next. Uh, Listen, recently from one moment to the next. Yeah. So you don't know what illness is or sickness is in your body that can turn for, I mean, it, it sounds like gloom, but these are realities that right. we need to consider well, and plan and prepare for. And, 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 it, and it also emphasizes the point that you make that uh, women really should include financial planning as part of premarital counseling. So even before you get married, you should be starting to Absolutely. think about this. Absolutely. I think it would be great if, if if mothers and grandmothers would start teaching their daughters some of this um, uh, information, financial literacy, and not to exclude young men. It, this could go back to high school 
uh, if we would consider uh, teaching financial literacy, that is the beginning. That is the basis of, of all of this, this very conversation. Yeah. And so the sooner that um, our young people have this information, the sooner and the more likely they are to, to, to respond to it and act on it. And these are things you could put in place and just set aside. And, and when it's time mm -hmm. to, uh, to go for the information or have the, the policies and whatever, it's there. You yeah. know that it's there. Yeah. You may not have to uh, worry about it for 30 or 40 or 50 years, hopefully, but it will be there when you do. And one other statistic or one other factoid here that uh, you kind of drive this point home uh, it is also a reality that women of color, minorities, tend to suffer more than those in other ethnic groups when a marriage dissolves either by de death or divorce. Absolutely. And, and the truth of the matter is that's no different than any other situation or um, uh, circumstances as it relates yeah. to people of color, um, um, at, just as, in, as it relates to our health. Uh, issues and concerns. So, and, and it has to do with um, a lack of information. Again, going back to what we may have had access to or not had access. To. Right. Um, we so, do, we do the best we can do with the information that is provided and the tools that are uh, easily available. So having Absolutely. so having laid all of that groundwork for this conversation, what then can and should women be doing to make sure that they don't fall into financial distress? Uh, because uh, of a loss of a spouse? I, I think that uh, we should become uh, as concerned about this as we are about uh, having the right wardrobe or the right, right <laughs> um, outfit for the special events. I think we, and any other financial concerns that we have, I think we should take them a little bit further than what we're going to do in the next few months or the next year to think about what will happen in at the end, at the end. And so, so you get married and your vows say to death do us part. And if you're fortunate enough to do just that and plan for that, just like you plan so, for the house, how many kids you're going to have, whether you have a pet or not. Yeah. And start with the basics, get a financial uh, counselor or advisor. And and that actually was going to be one of the uh, the questions. Obviously, speaking to a uh, majority of women uh, who perhaps haven't thought of this before, uh, because this is who you're aiming the book at. How do those individuals probably uh, are asking themselves? How do I set? Uh, those financial goals for the future. How do I go about this? Well, again, if you seek out a financial counselor, and I can assure most uh, women that you have a friend that has one or an associate, um, you don't probably have to look very far, but you start with budgeting, savings, um, basic things of that nature. Don't spend everything you get your hands on. Mm -hmm. Um, you need an insurance policy. That is a very basic place to start. Um, 
ensure that you are leaving something for your loved ones, that the, the people that you love that you leave behind, because that's an income that they won't have any longer. Yeah. You mentioned the importance of, uh, you know, finding someone to help you along uh, with as a financial advisor. And obviously it's, it's true for men, women, for anyone, you have to find a financial advisor who's kind of on your same wavelength. So let me ask this. What are the unique things that women need to consider when evaluating things like life insurance or investment and savings strategies that maybe are different from men? So when you're talking with a financial advisor, you can tell whether they are recognizing those differences. Well, when you're talking about couples, people who are married um, and women are looking out for themselves, and I don't mean that in a selfish way. But it is basically securing your future. You need to make sure you're the beneficiary on the insurance policy. That seems, that's very basic. That's very basic, yeah. That's, that's very basic. Um, when it comes to your house, your home, make sure you have right to survivorship. That is a very basic statement of one-liner in, in, uh, uh, in the deed to ensure that the house is yours and that it doesn't end up in probate court. These are basic things. Uh, just, just not having that information clearly stated in the deed mm-hmm. can cause you so much grief. And it doesn't make sense to have to grieve twice. Grieve right. once because of the that- loss of your spouse and grieve and secondly because you find out that you don't get anything that you've enjoyed during your life with him at at least nothing not, was taken yeah that's at, scary at least not without a fight uh and and yeah that is a great way of putting it it's uh, like grieving uh, all over again again uh, dr sabrina ellis is the author of wife life securing your future and let me ask you this uh as, as kind of an overview of all of this in in, in the lessons that you have picked up uh in talking with women who have been in these types of situations, the you know, which I, I would imagine is kind of the inspiration uh, for this book. What is the biggest thing that stands out for you? Watching the lifestyle change so drastically. Yeah. I can understand a change in lifestyle. I get that. Un- unless you're, you know, very wealthy. And you know you're, you're the you you don't have to yeah deal it's going to be a change lifestyle. yeah right there's go but a dra- drastic lifestyle change because the reality is that within five years um, most women become widows end up living in poverty mm. and it's it is directly related to finances or the lack thereof and uh, again that is what has stood out for me and and again uh, in this day and age that certainly does not have to be the case do you have a uh, website in conjunction with the book we can guide folks to for more information yes i do the the website is sabrinajellis.com dr sabrina ellis again the book is wife life securing your future dr ellis thanks very much for taking the time we appreciate it thank you so much for having me So the Finley-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce has extended the nomination period for this year's Small Business Awards to recognize the community's outstanding entrepreneurs. And uh, Emily Young with us uh, from 
the uh, chamber. Um, deadline is now, what, this coming Friday, you were saying? Next, so, not this coming Friday, I'm sorry, uh, next Friday. Yep, next Friday, July 22nd. 22nd okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, what are what are you looking for? What is the nomination process? It's, uh, for- it's real simple. It's So if you head online to finleyhancockchamber.com slash SBA for Small Business Awards, it's just uh, just a quick online form. We'll ask you a little bit of information in case, you know, we need to get in touch with you about the nomination. Um, so we'll ask you a little bit of information there. Um, and then we really just want to know what the business is or who the person is mm-hmm. and then why you're nominating them, you know. Does not have to be a chamber member. That is no, one of no. the... No, no. Any business There's... in Finley and Hancock County, um, we want to celebrate them all. Yeah. And then what is the process uh, once the nominations close? Because the small business awards won't be until... like. Later in the year, like I think October. Yeah, so like the actual ceremony will be in October. On October nineteenth is okay. the date that we have right now on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we take all of the nominations that we get. Um, we kind of organize them a little bit, and then we actually set up a uh, an anonymous committee. Um, and it's made up of you know local business professionals, so it's all people who are familiar with the area, familiar with the businesses in the area. And um, they talk through all of them. You know, we give them all the paperwork. They have a lot of reading to do, um, but it's all helpful. And they just kind of talk it out. And so we we take those conversations and we decide who uh, the winner, or I should say they do. I don't get a vote, but unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> but the committee members, they all kind of take those conversations and pick a winner. For those who are not aware, there are a number of uh, categories uh, for the awards, uh, more than a dozen categories. Oh, yeah. I think, I think this saying. year we might have 16 awards and they, so. they span... A lot of different, a lot of different categories. You know, of course, there's like small business of the year, right? The so big that's ones. yeah, the big one. Um, but we also have you know emerging business, which celebrates you know a newer business that's been here for maybe up to five years. Mm-hmm. So maybe uh, you know one of those newer businesses that you've seen pop up and you think they're doing really well. Um, downtown champion, you know, someone who's done a lot of good for the downtown Finley community. Uh, Women in Business Champion is the one that uh, you guys here at the radio station sponsor, so mm-hmm. that's another good one. And uh, then there are individual uh, awards for, uh, for instance, the, the uh, Professional of the Year or the Small Business Person of the Year, mm-hmm. uh, and then awards for diversity for uh, various business categories, manufacturing, nonprofits, yep. uh, you know, all of that. The Athena Award, uh, Nonprofit Leader of the Year. So there, yeah. So I, the reason I bring all of that up, number one, um, there's probably a category for just about every business uh, that you can think of. But what if we're not sure exactly what the best category would be? Do, do somebody who nominate nominate somebody need to specify a category or will you do that? Well, so we do have um, all the awards listed and you can read the okay. criteria on the website. It's all listed right there. And we try mm-hmm. to keep it pretty simple about what we're looking for for that award. But yeah. if we if we get a nomination that... Um, maybe doesn't actually uh, technically meet the criteria for an award. We do try and find the best find spot the for right them. Spot. Yeah. So, yeah. And and there are uh, businesses and individuals within businesses that can be nominated in multiple categories or in you know, more than one category. Oh yeah, absolutely. We get we get nominations for you know maybe one business in three or four different categories. So there's mm-hmm. no there's no limit to what people can be nominated for. A big question is, um, can I nominate myself for my own business? And absolutely, you sure can. We do not discriminate. I mean, celebrate yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so a lot of work goes into uh, into this, obviously, after the 
deadline, because as we're saying, the deadline is next Friday, and mm-hmm. then the awards themselves won't be handed out until October. So a lot of work that goes into that between uh, now and then. Yeah, so. so between the 22nd, we'll be putting together that committee so, to select the winners of each category. Um, we work with Can Do Studios to actually make the um, the actual awards, you know, the, the stars that they're known for. Um, those are what serve as our trophies, I guess mm-hmm. you could say, for the award winners. So yeah. we'll be putting those together. And then, um, of course... The videos that we make every year are always popular, it's a, too. It's a fun ceremony, so that's uh, something to circle on your calendar for the 19th of yes. October uh, for the Small Business Awards. But again, the nomination uh, period has been extended through next Friday. Uh, so if you were thinking about uh, nominating a small business or a small business person, mm-hmm. uh, this is the uh, time to do that. We have the link up at our webpage, goodmornings.net. Busy, busy time for it is. you folks at the it uh, sure is. You were just t- saying before we went on the air, you've got to... Uh, Stuff coming up with the golf outing coming up? Yeah, we've up. got our, our golf outing coming up on um, August 29th. It's the last Monday of August, so we're putting together teams for that. So if you're interested, just check out our website, finleyhancockchamber.com. There's plenty on the calendar coming up. A lot up. of things uh, happening, and uh, Rally in the Alley continue? It does, yep. Yeah, we'll so. have, I believe it's Cherry Bombs this week okay. uh, on Friday. Okay. So pray for uh, a, sunny, a sunny Friday Forward so we that. don't have to do the rain watch. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Lots of things uh, happening. Happening, but again, uh, chief among them, the Small Business Awards uh, nominations. Again, uh, Emily Young with us from the uh, Finley-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce. Emily, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Actually, kind of a uh, light day in the broken news this morning. Not a whole lot uh, going on here. Um, there is another story of a an American tourist behaving badly. Now, there have been stories, and we've had a, a couple of many broken news over the course of the past uh, couple of months, of uh, people from the United States going over, predominantly from the United States, not only from the U.S., but predominantly from the U.S., overseas and just doing dumb things and generally making a nuisance of themselves when they're on vacation in, uh, in Europe. Uh, here's <laughs> here's another example. A, a U.S. tourist visiting Italy sustained only minor injuries, miraculously, after falling into the crater of Mount Z- Vesuvius. <laughs> falling into the crater of Mount Vesuvius. Uh, Apparently, he had dropped his phone (laughs) while taking a selfie. He then tried to retrieve the phone by going into the crater of the volcano. One of the world's most dangerous volcanoes, mind you. And uh, he lost his balance and fell in. Uh, Emergency services had to be dispatched. Fortunately, they were able to retrieve and treat the man for his minor injuries, but he now faces charges related to the incident because you're not supposed to do that. (laughs) Mount Vesuvius, widely regarded as one of the world's most dangerous volcanoes. So let's crawl down inside. Uh, Let's see. Elsewhere in the broken news... This is kind of weird. Authorities say that a family was secretly living in the Carson City, Nevada Children's Museum. 
uh, has been evicted. They were discovered along with an assortment of weapons that they had been stockpiling. This <laughs> at the Children's Museum, the Carson City Sheriff's Office said that the the couple actually worked at the Children's Museum of Northern Nevada, and uh, their living arrangements came to light when their two-year-old walked walked outside the museum unsupervised. And the toddler's older sister told deputies that she lived there. I'm sorry, you you live at the Children's Museum? Well, yes. When deputies uh, investigated, they found that not only uh, did the family live there, they had also been stockpiling weapons. Deputies found an AK-47, three handguns, an AR-style pistol, uh, ammunition, suppressors, (laughs) knives, a taser, and drug paraphernalia, too. All of the children's museum. The uh, father uh, worked at the museum as a janitor, and his wife was the museum manager. Story goes on to say they have both been fired. <laughs> I would think so. That's uh, that'll that'll get you axed. Uh, I think. So. Uh, let's see. This is a crazy story. Uh, from uh, San Diego County, California, police have nabbed four men in what is being described as one of the biggest methamphetamine busts in history in that part of the country. The U.S. Attorney's Office in San uh, San Diego announced in a press release that officers uncovered, are you ready for this, 5,000 pounds of meth. 5,000 pounds. If you need to put that in perspective, that is roughly the weight of a Ford F-150. The weight of an entire truck worth of meth. Apparently, the drugs were shipped over the border and were located in two trucks in National City, California. Police took notice of these suspicious vehicles when they crossed the the border. I would think so. They would have had to have been, you know, weighted down and sitting pretty low, transporting five thousand pounds of meth uh, in in a couple of trucks. The uh, drugs were uh, upon. <laughs> says uh, when authorities saw the men unloading dozens upon dozens of cardboard boxes from the trucks, they moved in. The uh, drugs were sniffed out thanks to uh, canine Milo, a chocolate lab who happily posed for a photo by his huge haul. The four men, all nationals of Tijuana, and are between the ages of 37 and 44. They were charged with conspiracy to distribute methamphetamine, which carries a mandatory minimum sentence of 10 years in prison. They could face life and a $10 million fine. But that is crazy. 5,000 pounds. That that takes guts. I mean, that takes a lot of, you know what, to, <laughs> to try and smuggle that kind of weight over the border. That's crazy. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, uh, I love this story out of Oklahoma where Larry Sanders is charged with attacking his fishing partner. And what makes this story uh, interesting is he uh, is using a mythical creature in his defense. Mr. Sanders told the local sheriff his uh, fishing buddy, Jimmy Knighton, had summoned Bigfoot to kill him. Jimmy had summoned Bigfoot to kill him, so he had to preemptively attack Jimmy. Officials say the fight broke out.
between the two men Saturday. And uh, Mr. Sanders allegedly struck and strangled Mr. Uh, Knighton the next day. Uh, police uh, charged Sanders in the assault. Investigators believe that Mr. Sanders was under the influence of something when the incident happened. You think? Well, he summoned Bigfoot to kill me. Gotta get him first. There you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN needs your help to stuff the bus with school supplies for needy students in our area. Go to WFIN.com for donation information. Bring your donation to the Yellow School Bus at the Tiffin Avenue McDonald's in Finley Thursday and Friday, July 14th and 15th from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Saturday, July 16th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. School supply registration forms are required and can be accessed at cchsupport.org. Stuff the Bus, brought to you by McDonald's and 1330 WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Apparently, there are an awful lot of sleep-deprived babies out there these days, and this is why I say that. A new one-poll survey of 2,000 moms and dads between the ages of 26 and 41 finds that only 53% of those millennial parents can recite the words to Baba Black Sheep. Uh, barely a majority, just 51% know all of the lyrics to row, row, row your boat. <laughs> How do you not know the lyrics to row, row, row your boat? Um, half, uh, 50% cannot recall how to sing Humpty Dumpty. Only 43% know the words to Jack and Jill and three in five parents, three out of five cannot soothe their baby to sleep by singing rockabye baby. Uh, 10% of modern parents uh, admit that they avoid singing lullabies to their kids entirely because they either feel awkward, they don't know the words, or they think they have an awful singing voice like your baby cares. But I mean, these are, these are my adult children now between the ages of uh, 26 and 41. And I feel like I have failed them terribly because I haven't taught them the the lyrics to these uh, lullabies. But, but that doesn't mean they are not singing to their uh, kids. They may not know the uh, the lullabies, but one respondent <laughs> says uh, that when it comes to time to uh, soothe their baby to sleep, they rap Kanye West songs, <laughs> their baby instead. Uh, one other respondent in the poll uh, says they sing, sing the Rolling Stones, <laughs> get their babies to sleep. 83% of these millennial parents do believe that singing to their little one is a major aspect of their uh, bedtime r- routine and their bonding process. And here is the good news. Even though some of the musical selections might be considered unconventional, Lisa Parkhill and the baby products manufacturer MEM, uh, which uh, commissioned the poll, said getting a little one off to sleep is a special soothing time spent between babies and parents, and it really doesn't so much matter what it is that you're singing or you know reciting uh, what your quote-unquote lullaby is. Taking that time is what's important. So 
Uh, 90%, oh, besides music, 90% of parents say they read their kids' stories before bed. 43% believe that's more soothing for their child than singing. <laughs> Maybe that's because they, they feel like they can't sing. Uh, close to half believe reading helps because it is something that they can enjoy together with their child, and many say it is a nice bonding experience. And uh, 46% said it sparks their own imagination. So I guess at the end of the day, as long as we're singing or reading or bonding with our kids uh, before they go to bed, that's a good thing. Well, I saw an article the other day, and I wish I could remember where so that I could source the piece, but the long and short of it was that coming out of the pandemic, when many of us were working from home in our comfy clothes, it has been a challenge getting back into style now that we are going out into public again. Uh, So whether you are headed back to the office, whether you've got a big social event coming up, we have a style refresh for you this morning. Kate Bellman is managing fashion editor at Nordstrom with us this morning to share a fresh dose of outfit inspiration, including some classic wardrobe staples in this season's most stylish pieces and uh, looking at uh, scoring some really good deals on all of your summer and upcoming fall essentials. Kate, when we're talking about uh, finding a little wardrobe inspiration, what is your first step? Where do we start? You know what, Chris? Recently for me, I always just hit social media. I love to just scroll and see what the new uh, editors or fashion insiders and influencers are wearing, how they're styling something differently. So honestly, Instagram is just my absolute go-to these days. But I will say there's something really nice about coming into the store, especially once again, now that they're full and open, grabbing a cup of cup of coffee in our stores and walking the floor and, and just seeing what's new for my favorite brands, whether it's new colors, new silhouettes. Uh, that always inspires me to shop a little bit or a lot of it. So uh, share with us some of those top looks for this second half of summer and as we start to think about transitioning into fall already. Absolutely. Now, for the women, it's all about taking those timeless, classic, essential pieces and moving them forward in new ways. First up is through new materials. So primarily leather and faux leather, such a hot material this season, and really updating it through a fresh palette, particularly if it's your uh, chic blazer or a pleated skirt. These are just some great ideas within separates that you look really polished and pulled together for for work or can break it up and wear more casually too. Now, I mentioned color. Color is huge. That is the number one biggest trend for women this season. So really revitalizing tailoring and the return to work through bold, unexpected color, whether it's a lavender wool coat or a pop statement handbag. These are the things that are really going to make you feel new and fresh and truly reinvigorated for fall. Okay, so what about on the men's side? What are the hottest trends in menswear? Yes, we didn't forget about the men. Very similarly so, take those timeless plastic pieces and identify new ways that you feel comfortable bringing them forward. Something like a single-breasted blazer, try out, try it out in a double-breasted or styling mashup. So wear something refined and polished back to a sweatshirt or a hoodie. So you're getting that tailored to sport mix. It's a really kind of fresh way to uh, look pulled together. And for men, always, that white sneaker, it is so quintessential. It is the item that you must have. You can wear it, Chris, back to a tailored dress suit or, you know, jeans and a sweater on the weekend. So invest in a nice, clean white sneaker. 
So let me ask you this, uh, and, and I'm just curious because, again, we were talking about, you know, the, during the pandemic, we were all just spending most of our time in our comfy clothes, not really worrying about fashion. I'm wondering, has there been a big reset in terms of styles and everything coming out of the pandemic? Have, have, have we used that as an opportunity to really think out of the box and go in a completely different direction coming out of the pandemic? Or is it more just kind of still building on what? it was before? You know, we've really found that people are excited to get dressed up again. We've definitely seen a shift towards kind of the casual loungewear that we've all been in for the past couple of years. Yeah. So dressing up, it's really time to, you know, see and be seen once again. We have returning to the office. We have those, you know, wedding RSVPs that have been stacking up for the past two years. So <laughs> people are really excited to put on something new, putting a, put on something a little more dressed up and, and getting out there once again. So uh, what are some of the other tips then with all, all of that in mind uh, for, you know, getting back out there and looking good doing it? You know what? My biggest tip right now, Chris, we are actually right in the middle heading into our anniversary sale. So this starts for the public on July 15th. If you're a Nordstrom card member, you can shop now. Um, but this is the best of our fall products, some of our favorite, favorite brands, all at a discount. So my biggest tip is, you know, try it out at a sale price before these prices go back up on August 1st. It's a great way to, uh, you know, try a new trend, try a new silhouette, see how you feel and sort of build your comfort and confidence with new product at a value. So that is honestly my biggest tip at the moment. So uh, talking about uh, fashion for the second half of the summer and again, looking ahead to fall already, this is the time when we start to do that. Kate Bellman is managing fashion editor at Nordstrom. Uh, with her uh, top trends. And where do we get more information, Kate? Yep, you can absolutely come into the stores. We have fleet of personal stylists always here to help. It's a free service. You can also check out Nordstrom.com slash anniversary online. There you'll get all the key dates. As I mentioned, the public event starts on July 15th until August 1st. And then um, all the fantastic merchandise that we have. As I mentioned, transitioning from summer into fall, brand new product on this sale event. Um, you'll see it all there and, and ready to shop. We'll get a link up on our webpage as well. Kate Bellman, thanks very much for taking Perfect. the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. And that will wrap up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. You can also connect with us on social media, sign up for our daily email newsletter, shoot us an email. There's something you want to share directly and more. Again, goodmornings.net. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.